Hi, welcome to Per My Last Email. This is your host, Michaela. Every other week, I'll be coming on here to tell you everything going on in my life. Sometimes it'll be real estate and some tips and tricks for all of you. Sometimes it'll be everything that drives me crazy about building a business, but it'll always be something you can relate to and be like, yep, definitely feel that. Each episode is meant to inspire, connect, and maybe lead you to a glass of wine while we all discuss the many reasons we've all thought about writing emails, starting with the phrase, Per My Last Email. Holy crap. I am so excited to get this first episode going. I guess let's just jump right into it. Before I have a guest come on every episode, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about what's been going on in my business. Um, Hopefully it'll relate to something you guys have experienced or currently experiencing, or you'll remember the idiotic story and in the future, you'll know what to do. Recently, I had a friend remind me of this moment and I thought, oh my God, this is the greatest story for the podcast and probably like embarrassing enough. It's embarrassing enough to be the first episode. So fun fact before, um, not before I started selling real estate, but while I was getting going, I was working in a bar in Chicago. I have basically from the age of 21 worked at bars, um, until I kind of got my business up and running and could afford to not work at bars. Um, but in the beginning there was a lot of really long nights. So fast forward, it's St. Patty's. I'm working in a bar. And if you know what Chicago looks like on St. Patty's day in the bars, um, the girls working don't typically wear a lot of clothing. Um, so that's a mental image for you. Not wearing a whole lot. Um, previous to that. So I feel like that St. Patty's day was a Saturday. Um, I think even if St. Patty's isn't on a Saturday, like the, you know, the city would celebrate on the Saturday. So it's Saturday. I think like that previous Thursday or Friday, I had sold, um, probably my first, and I shouldn't say I had sold, I'd gone under contract, um, my first condo around 500,000. So at the time I had only sold things, um, somewhere around the realm of like 200, 300. So This was my first buyer um, that had gone under contract on half a million dollars worth of real estate. And I was really proud of the accomplishment. Um, I will say it was a male buyer. Um, That's important for the story moving forward. But it was a male buyer. And he was really excited about the property. I was like so excited that it had worked and, you know, we found what he wanted. And this was a little bit of a different situation because I was selling a development. So This person had come to the development with no broker. I was representing the development. So I was selling the units at the development. Um, And I convinced this guy who had no broker to, you know, look at the units I was talking about and then got him so excited about one of the units that he went ahead and, and signed a contract for one. Now, painting a picture, I'm at this development selling. I look like a professional, I think I'm probably like 24 at the time, maybe 25. I look professional. Um, I look put together. I'm speaking eloquently, right? I'm doing all the things. And I'm so excited that I got this guy to, to put in a contract. Fast forward, it's Saturday. I'm at the bar. It's St. Patty's. I'm essentially wearing a glorified bra that we're calling a t-shirt. Um, and like, if you were ever a dancer, you know what these are, but like dance shorts. Um, which like is equivalent to like booty shorts. I don't know what else you would call them. 
So this is my outfit. And I don't know, there's like 3,000 million people in this bar. You can't even like see anybody, you, you know, the, the girls behind the bar. And then I was, um, I had tables and bottle service and stuff. So um, those are really the only people you can see. And for whatever reason, I was behind the bar getting something. And that same guy who had just put in that contract walks into the bar and up to the bar. Or he walks into like the, the bar, like the nightclub. Um, and then he walks up to the bar that I'm standing behind. I see him as he's like walking towards the bar and have a full body panic attack experience. Everything in my entire existence flashed before me, including the very bra that I was pretending was a T-shirt and was currently wearing. I dropped like I literally had no more bones, muscles, feelings in my legs. And I dropped to the ground in hopes that he never saw me because I had this death fear that had he seen me in this outfit behind this bar, he would no longer be sure that everything I said to him on Thursday was like worth anything. Whether like, I don't know. I just, I thought that if this guy saw me as the girl in the bar um, working, he would somehow think that like everything I said had no validity 48 hours prior. And there was no chance that he could comprehend the concept that I didn't have an issue with understanding real estate. I had an issue with paying my rent and that those two issues had nothing to do with one another. So I, for whatever reason, instantly decided that this man was not going to be able to handle this level of comprehension. And I dropped to the ground. And thankfully, one of my girlfriends saw me do this, who was also standing behind the bar, one of my girlfriends that I was working with, who saw me do this and just assumed that I needed to just disappear from the world. And so she paid me no attention and allowed this insanity to occur um, and dealt with the customer um, you know, got him situated at a table, did his bottle service, all of it, and then switched sections with me so that the section I would take new tables at was far away from this guy. Um, and, uh, all in hopes that like he would never see me in a bra because on Monday he would have to see me again. And we would talk about his real estate purchase. And I had high concerns, high levels of concern. Um, this is real life. This podcast is real. The shit we go through is real. Um, those kind of fears are real. And, uh, this whole thing is just about giving a voice to them, right? Like these stories, we tell each other them, um, you know, at our, at our happy hours and in the comforts of our home. But, um, I feel like they should be told and they should be shared. And so that's my really embarrassing story. And to this day, I speak to this client and to this day, he has no idea that I was working that St. Patty's and that he was there and that I was wearing a bra and nothing else. He has no idea. I'm so excited for this podcast to exist. I'm so excited for these stories to be shared. I'm so excited for this community to be here. Um, and for all the women in this world that are just trying to build something, it's not pretty. Sometimes it involves bras and booty shorts at a club working, selling bottles and paying rent. Um, but ultimately it ends with something amazing, which is a full-fledged business or a full-fledged position at a, at a job where you are respected and heard um, and your contributions are valued. And that struggle to get to that end goal for all of us is what this whole thing is all about. 
My first guest is Chelsea Jenkins, her government name as it turns out. If you want to find her on Instagram, she goes by Chelsea Mariah. Chelsea is a change agent with a diverse background in tech, marketing, communications, and she lives and goes by the mantra, for the highest good of all. She's got a track record for impacting company culture, and she's not one to take no for an answer. Hey, Chels. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being on. I am so happy to be here. Yay. Give me and the listeners um, a little background on who you are, what you do. and Yeah. yeah. So I'm originally from Detroit. 313. I'll have that area code till the day I die. I'm <laughs> I'm attached to it. Amazing. Um, I've been here in Chicago now for about three years, which is crazy. It's just flown by. But yeah, in that time, I have just like had a, a career shift completely. Just so many life, personal and professional transformations that I'm excited to talk about. Let's start with Detroit and Chicago. Yeah. Um, it's obviously a different city here. Mm-hmm. Things are a bit different in many ways. Yeah. Um, what was the first thing that kind of like threw you for a loop when you got here and you weren't really aware was different? Yeah. Well, my reason for coming to Chicago was definitely to get uncomfortable. Like back in Detroit, I felt as if I had almost plateaued in a sense. Like I was way too comfortable. I was doing the same thing, seeing the same people. And I didn't feel like the career opportunities were there for me personally. Like they have lots of great jobs in marketing and communications for like sports or of course the automotive industry with it being the motor city. But it's like, I need a little bit more. And also I was like walking outside of my house and not seeing anybody like living in suburbia. I was like, I want more energy. Like I want to leave my house and like see people on the move that are hustling. So, so that was the first thing I noticed here was like the energy was definitely a tick up from Detroit. The more I immersed myself in the city, I was definitely surprised, um, by the lack of diversity and the segregation for sure. Like that's not something that I anticipated. Um, Detroit is actually a melting pot for sure. Like there's people from all over. We obviously have like a huge um, Middle Eastern population there, black people, like it's, it's great. It's a melting pot. So um, when I came here and was like downtown or going to bars in like West Loop or go, or just being out, I realized very often I was the only one in the room. Isn't that interesting? I feel like those of us from Chicago, we know this, we live this, like (laughs) we tell people and no one gets it until you're from somewhere else and you don't just visit Chicago, but like you move here. Yeah. And suddenly you realize it is the strangest place. It is. And that's a good point because I had visited here countless times. And it never occurred to you. It never occurred to me. It wasn't until I, I lived here and then I... There was one night that I must have gone to three or four places. And, you know, not that I'm a a bar rat or anything. You know, just three or four places casually one night. It it was a busy night, but. It's fair. Sometimes we got to have them. (laughs) But I just, yeah, that was what really shook me was like at all four places, I was the only one. Like I was looking for someone too. Where's the other black person? Where's the one other, like we can like make eye contact from across the room. Like, yo, what's up? A nod. Hello. (laughs) Here too? Yeah. And that's when I realized I I needed to be very deliberate about what areas I was going to. There's obviously neighborhoods that are more diverse than others. And then making sure that I was seeking out um, relationships and like organizations and outings where I knew that there would be more diverse audiences there. Um, And so now, like whenever I do meet someone who's um, black or like 
diverse or whatever, I'm sure to like connect with them um, just because it's it's sometimes a rare thing. And you live pretty close to downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I live. Talk a little bit about your experience because I, I, I'm assuming there are some experiences there that um, are not what you expected when you when you moved. Yeah, I think there's always, you know, in the back of your mind or like you're you're hyper aware of how you're treated in certain stores, certain places, how you're looked at. Um, so I'm I'm conscious of it, but it it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I was I would say walk around angry all the time if that was the case. But that's fair. I was gonna say amazing, but in retrospect, I don't know how amazing being numb is either. But True. it might be the the <clears throat> you know the way to move through that space. Yeah, I think that I I have it's not that I'm complacent with that reality or anything, but I I choose to put my energy towards certain things. So it's more meaningful me meaningful for me to talk about it in a medium like this or in like a meaningful conversation to like drive awareness or like impact change in that way than me walking around being angry or like causing a scene um for but- the highest good of all. For the highest good of all, yes. But, you know, moving to this city, I probably should have done my Google search of, like, realizing this was one of the most segregated cities in the country. And, like, you do hear stories about, you know, certain areas in Chicago are, like, third world war zones are compared to. Like, that's within, what, 30 minutes of where we are right now. Like, it's crazy right. the disparities that that we have here within this city. And... Um, that they're all very intentional, that they're super intentional. And what's maybe even more interesting is that you come from a place that people probably think has a lot of segregation and it doesn't. It's it's it seems more more melted together um, from my very few experiences there. So obviously you would know better, but it seems like there's a, a much more diverse and intentional mixture of people than there is here. There's certainly pockets, but like in the work that I I do at my company, I have to research a lot of this. And something I learned in the last couple of weeks is that the most racist region of this entire country is actually the Midwest. Like you would think it was maybe the South or like, you know, even maybe the Northeast, but it's the Midwest. That's so interesting. Plot twist, myth buster, like <laughs> I was like, no way. But then I started to think about it, like, because there's these pockets. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. that are extremely segregated and, and racist. So uh that was, you know, a, a huge learning for me. Okay. So we t- we we take you from Detroit, we get you to Chicago, <laughs> yes. you move to downtown, you kind of start to navigate all of these differences. Um and then you go to work at a job that's somewhat different than what you were doing in Detroit or in line? It was completely different. Like, I went from working remotely, traveling 95% of the time working for a tech company, um, where also in that entire company, I was the only one. Okay. Like, not even the only... um, I can't even say like the only black woman, like the only one period. Got it. Of all the humans. Of all the humans. So imagine being at a, you know, in all hands with everyone and then you look around and you don't see one person. So I learned very early on 
how to navigate that. Like you almost, you learn even on a subconscious level, how to navigate those waters. Like we as a people have to like pretty much wear masks every day in those situations. Like we have to whitewash ourselves. Like we aren't able to always be our true authentic selves because it sometimes makes people very uncomfortable, honestly, because their lack of exposure or they, they don't understand or whatever. Like, so you have to learn to navigate and like understand how to disarm and make other people feel more comfortable, even though you're the only one. Like, imagine that. That's really the craziest (laughs) part about all of it. Like you're the only one and yet you're the one that's got to worry about making everybody else comfortable. Mm -hmm. Even though the numbers say it should be the other way around. <laughs> it should be the other way around. Because you're the only one. Yeah. In case anyone forgot, you're still the only one. I know. It's so interesting, but it's it's our reality. And I, I mean, it's it, the fear that is wrapped around it is so silly. Mm-hmm. And yet it's incredibly real to the point of where when you're the only one, mm-hmm. you still have to be the one making everybody else comfortable because their fear is so strong mm-hmm. that it outweighs everything else. Yeah. And because you know that you want to be successful, like you have your aspirations and like you're not going to let anything get in the way of that. You know that eventually you'll be in a position where you can, um, you know, let some of that armor down. But that takes a level of success and status and respect and, and stature and all of the things. But I realized that in that situation, like I was put in a box pretty, pretty much immediately, like age, race, gender in that particular environment. I mean, in tech, there's not a lot of diversity anyway, but I was put in a box and I was like, hell no, I'm about to blow this box up. Like I, I was like, there's no That's way. That's a Michaela energy. <laughs> like hell no. Like, and so I, I got out of that box. Um, but it, it taught me really important lessons about like using your voice, speaking up because your voice is really powerful. No matter who you are, what you look like, what your title is, your role, whatever, like your voice is powerful and it matters. And that job taught me that because once I started speaking up and speaking out, I saw things start to change. But then, yeah, I came to Chicago and uh, very quickly was like, I want to focus on passion. Like, what actually is my freaking purpose? Like, we work 40 hours a week. But, like, for what purpose? For what purpose? Like, I'm I'm just, like, someone who's purpose-driven when it comes to career. Like, not everybody's motivated in that same way, which is totally fine. Some people, it's monetary. Some, it's, like, freedom and whatever. So, like, whatever drives you. But for me, it was, like, purpose-driven. So I looked for a culture, a product, a location. And like responsibilities that I felt like aligned with my natural skills and talents and passions. And, um, and honestly, like it, it was so hard to get this job. Like I went through all the normal channels, like applied, didn't hear anything, even reached out to someone there. And they were like, no, I don't think it's going to work. I emailed the CMO who I would have been reporting to. And I was like, I'm the one. And I no one's <laughs> listening. In case you needed to know, I have to work here. I don't care if the position's available. I don't care if you guys want me. I'm coming. Care. I'll show up on Monday at 8 a.m. Yes. See you there. I expect snacks. I know, right? I will write my own job description. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Just tell me what conference room I'll be there. 
can you please send a mass email? But like, I'll be there. Right. Can you imagine I just show up on Monday? Like, it's like the greatest Where's energy. Where's my paperwork? Hello, I'm here. No one hired me. I'd like some paperwork, please. That, that is my favorite kind of energy. I will manifest this into existence. I was not taking no for an answer because like, I just knew. Yeah. I was like, no, this is the next step. And again, like just because I didn't fit in those boxes, I still knew. Right. So I threw that Hail Mary and I came in so hot in his uh, LinkedIn DMs and I sent like a video. Oh my God, I love this Of so like much. my work that I'd done and then like. All the things. You sent a full portfolio for somebody who never requested one. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent. I did. I did. Thank God it worked. Yeah, right. it worked. <laughs> it really worked out. It worked out. It took someone very specific yeah. to receive that yeah. and be like, oh. She's the girl. The initiative. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. So yeah, that started a whole nother journey, like a whole nother chapter. Totally. I'm wondering how we get from, okay, Detroit, Chicago, downtown, job we manifest into existence. Now we're here. Are we still the only person of color in the room? Um, it was improved. Okay. But still minimal. Not, minimal. Okay. Oh, let's put a timeline on this. So yeah. when did we move from Detroit to Chicago? 2017. Okay. When did we go from, were you ever living in Chicago working at the Detroit job? Yes. Um, for like a year and a half. Okay. So we start at the Chicago local job 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're there for a little. We're kind of getting our feet wet. We're trying to see what's happening around us. Mm-hmm. Get settled. And then it's 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. We covered a lot of time. That's okay. In that, uh... You know, things happened. <laughs> there were some more things. She went to a couple more bars all in one night. Continue. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so... Yeah, with with 2020, this was the catalyst for major change. Sure. In the sense that, like, it elevated consciousness. It increased awareness of the reality that minorities, Black people, have in this country. Fair. Across so many facets, like, professionally, educationally. Um, economically, health-wise, right. Um, all of the result of systemic oppression, like, really came to a head at one time, and like people were finally paying attention because we were stuck at home because they had nothing else to do. We had nothing else to do, so it was a time for action for sure. Like from allies. Um, and for us, but I think that was like the most important thing from an allyship perspective was like, it's not enough to just like not be racist. You need to be anti-racist. Like you need to actively be doing things to dismantle these oppressive systemic things that are in place, these barriers that we have, like what can people do every day? And I think it was looking inward of like, okay, let me examine what my subconscious biases are and whatnot. Um, but professionally, you saw so many companies, corporations look inward also. Yes. And decide like, shoot, I need to make this a priority. Like, we haven't 
considered the subconscious biases that we have within our hiring processes. We haven't considered the nepotism that exists within our community and within our company of hiring people who are like us, who are from the same schools, who are from um, the same family or like friend groups. Right. Like they say, like, it's all about who you know. Right. Right. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. You need to look outside of what you know. Everyone you know is from the same suburb Mm -hmm. that went to the same state university that all looks the damn same. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And acknowledging the, the path that it took for some of the minorities that you work with and interact with to get where they are and how that might have differed from you. Um, Because I think in some cases people are like, oh, such and such is in that position. Like they didn't deal with anything. Like they have that job or, oh, they must be there because of like an affirmative action type situation. Like, so you, you have to take a step back and, and just acknowledge the, the realities that um, along the way, Within all of the the facets that I mentioned, there have been obstacles and barriers that roadblocks a lot of people have have not to, considered. Right, right. That's a good point. Um, so at this particular company, Black Lives Matters happens, George Floyd happens, and that's definitely what it took for like the realization of, um, you know, we need a, a self assessment. And then what are we doing to close that empathy gap? Because a lot of people have seen these stories before. Correct. Or they saw George Floyd's story and didn't really have a reaction at first. That is the part that like will never make sense. Like, how do you not have a reaction? But like, I get it. There are people with no reaction, but like, I can't. It's like your arms and your legs are broken and you don't know they're all broken. I know. Oh, it makes me, I can't. And that was jarring a little bit for me, candidly, because when that happened, that was one of the hardest weeks to continue to, like, be on calls. Like, every single Black person I know was crying all day. Right. And then I'd get on these calls and I'd be like, do do people not know what's happening? Like, Like what planet are they on? It took a week and it took riots for people to realize that. This is something serious. And that's when there was an additional layer or investigation of what's going on. Right. And it was giving grace to people around you, giving grace to yourself of like, okay, I didn't realize this was going on, but that's okay. What am I going to do about it now, though? Right. Right. We can't fix I was going to say we can't fix the past. And, and I guess to some extent that is true, right? We, none of us can time travel. Mm-hmm. But we can fix the past by fixing the future, mm-hmm. I guess, if if that makes sense, right? We we can't travel. We can't time travel and, and fix it and, like, rewrite it. Mm-hmm. But there definitely has to be an accountability of moving forward differently in yeah. an attempt to – because remedy isn't is, – it's not possible to remedy it, I don't right. believe. No. But, you you know, you move forward in, yeah. in a better way. Right. And it's like, what are you doing more than posting a black square Correct. or talking about it? What's the action that you're taking? And that's why so many people were like, I want to see your board. 
I want to see your leadership teams at these corporations because they're like, y'all are posting black squares, but you're not actually changing the people that are in the room making decisions about the way your business is run. You're not giving these people a seat at the table to actually it's impact It's like lip change. service. It's lip service. But a lot of people did take inventory and start putting plans in place for, for meaningful change. Like, um, and it was awesome because at that company, I was able to be a part of that. Also got to put out marketing that spoke to these more diverse consumers to make sure that they were included in the process instead of just like a, a nice to have or an afterthought, which kind of led me to the job that I have now, which like that's the core purpose is like, how can we make sure we're speaking to these groups that have in the past been ignored? And I would argue maybe on purpose. Not like we wrote down on the piece of paper, we will ignore, but somewhat on purpose. Yeah. And it's like, these people, their money is green. Yeah. Their money (laughs) is green and it buys the same stuff. And it's like, it is worth the same as, since I'm the white girl, it is worth the same as the white girl's money. (laughs) Like it is, it's, there's no difference. And yet. You know, sometimes there there has been and is still a decision at a at a certain high level to um, prioritize one dollar mm-hmm. over a different or, yeah. or over another. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. But you see, especially now more than ever, how people are um, and people of color, especially are so loyal to the brands that take time to see them. And make sure that they are seen. I actually love that. Because I think that then pushes forward the authenticity of Mm -hmm. that, whatever that brand is that has made a conscious effort. They then get sort of the extra marketing push that they, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't necessarily pay for. Right. from, From the population. Right. And it's more than just. And this is that authenticity piece that you're talking about. Like, it's more than just putting a black person in the commercial. Correct. And saying like, oh, they're going to see themselves. Like, no, there's so many more nuances that you need Correct. to take the time to understand or else you come off as inauthentic and then we're writing you off. And then it's, it's <laughs> back to the black square on Instagram. Like, exactly. You, you can't put the black girl in a commercial and just think you're <laughs> problem solved. Exactly. Like, yes, we did it. Good we're job, inclusive. guys. Exactly. Just like even in these corporate arenas, it's like, okay, now you've hired diverse talent or even internally, if you had diverse talent, now making um, the effort to make sure they're trained, they're, they're getting mentorship. Like they have a track to advance um, because we, again, already know that there are more barriers, even on a subconscious level within these spaces that hold um, Black people, people of color back. Like them, us um, having to work, you know, twice as hard to get half as far, to have to continuously prove our competence um, or expertise in a space. Like I was talking to a friend last night who started a new job and she's a young black woman working with mostly older white men. First call she had, they asked her, why are you here? 
I can't. She had to defend her reason for being on the call. And she's there to be a resource to them. Right. And you can't tell me. I won't believe it. You can't tell me that that's not because of the way that she looked, because I know she knows her shit like she. She was exactly where she should have been, but she was still questioned. She still had to work harder to prove herself. Um, she walked into the virtual room mm-hmm. already with a why are you here versus let me hear what you have to say and then I'll decide your competence based on what you provide to this conversation. Right. And we just see that women slash women of color have far less representation in these leadership positions. Women and women right, of color. Right. Let's like put it all together. Like we are underrepresented significantly. So it's amazing to see glass ceilings being broken. In 2020, you have Kamala Harris, which is amazing. Like we're we're able to now see ourselves at the top, which is great. But I think we also need to make sure that wherever we're at, we're uplifting each other because I've been in a lot of environments with women my age or older or whatever, that it turns into more of a competition than uplifting each other. Like there's room for all of us and we need to be. I just said that to somebody. Yeah. Just because you have a position doesn't mean I'm stealing it from you. There are enough positions in the marketplace, whatever marketplace that is, that we can both have them. Mm -hmm. And it's actually behooves us to try and get both of us there because it will make our lives easier in the end. Exactly. A hundred percent. All right. Well, I'm going to turn this conversation a little bit because we're about to touch on it, but like we're going to mix it up. What you all don't know yet about Chelsea is that uh, my girl isn't just really smart. She's also incredibly beautiful. And the reason I bring this up is in the same way that that friend of hers was on the call and the other people on the call asked, why are you even here? I'm interested to know, since you do model, um, what experiences you've had on the flip side of that when your look is what is essentially being monetized. When you're in corporate, do you sometimes feel like you're getting a certain level of acceptance in a room due to what you look like from a beauty standpoint versus what you bring to the table from an intellectual standpoint? And then vice versa, when you're in a modeling environment, what does that look like since you do have a corporate job? Yeah, that's interesting. I actually, for the former, in my experience, it's worked against me Mm -hmm. heavily because, and this has actually been said to me before by a a coworker. I mean, you can just say... The type of person the coworker was. A white old male. There we go. There's that coworker. Go ahead. So after I had been at the company for a few years and had killed it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then he came to me and said, Yeah, I didn't think you'd still be here. I thought they just like hired you because of the way that you looked. But you're actually smart. <laughs> like- Guys, in case you didn't know, that's the per my last email moment of tonight's uh, podcast. <laughs> Welcome. You just hit it. If I had a dollar for every ignorant ass comment. So I literally was like, wow, the audacity. Like he literally said that he thought I got the job just because of the way I looked. And and not because I was black, but because he thought I was attractive. Attractive. Correct. And he's like, I didn't think you'd last. 
We just thought you got here because of your face. Yeah, like really. Thank okay, you. yeah, because my resume has a big ass picture of me on right. the top. Like. I'm actually just walking around <laughs> with my modeling headshots my to the corporate job, and then I've got my resume, and I'm walking around to the. This is my point. Welcome to my point of like the juxtaposition of how silliness works in corporate America or in America in general. Mm-hmm. Or they think like exactly. They think that you're not as smart. They, that you got there because you looked good. Someone thought you looked good in your interview or something like that. And actually, it's like, I have to prove myself even more. Right. Right. You got to prove yourself because they don't <laughs> they don't understand how you're so pretty. You got to prove yourself because you're not an old white guy. Like, hey. it's so many levels of proving that, like, when you even <laughs> achieve anything, you're like, damn, I did an excellent job proving myself on I don't know what level. Like, I don't know which one of those I succeeded at, but like one of them got through. I'm just trying to be real. I hope that didn't come off as like conceited or something, but I'm like literally just, I'm trying to be real. I think that's the point. I think the point is, is that as women, we try so hard in those situations when we get asked those ridiculously disrespectful questions to God forbid that we sound conceited. Yeah. But the question in itself has already admitted that you feel some kind of way about how I look. So me repeating it is not conceited. It's me repeating what you just said to me. Right. Like, isn't that you started the stupidity. so warped is that people can look at you as a black woman and see you at the table, at the conference room table, and still think that you had an advantage That's in the getting there. Stupidest part about this. Oh, they're there because they're black. Because they're a black woman or because they're a woman. Like, it's so warped and it's so backwards of like, okay, that explains it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always looking for (laughs) how how on earth did this happen? (laughs) Yeah. There's got to be a catch and I'm going to think of it the longer I stare at her. (laughs) No, sir. You will not think of it the longer you stare at me. That's not what will happen. Right. Exactly. But I mean, use the tools that you have. Like, In some cases, that has been something that's been a challenge. But like in some cases, it gives people influence. Like you see people that have influence on social media and stuff because the way that they look like leverage the tools that you got. Can we do that? Can we leverage what your mama gave you instead of shaking it? (laughs) Is that the name of this episode? That's the name of this episode. (laughs) We're not shaking what mama gave us. We're leveraging it. I mean, that's kind of the point. If they're going to make comments about it, I'm going to use it. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I I think it's just like when those things do happen, like, okay, perfect. This is an education moment. And and you know what? It's not our job to educate those people. It's not. correct. So like, don't feel like it is. But for those that are up for it, like have a conversation or just um, try them. I don't know, whatever feels good, but they're out (laughs) there. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. My last little spiel. Chelsea doesn't even know I'm going this route. So here we go. If you find uh, Miss Chelsea Mariah, not her government name, on Instagram, you will notice that she was recently featured in an express campaign. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that came about? Yeah, sure. That was really cool. Um, And it was something else that was like the the feeling that I had when I like do the Hail Mary to the LinkedIn DMs to the CMO, Um, because when I auditioned for it, I like knew that it was right for me. Right. Because it was about more than looks. Like they weren't just like, oh, send us your photos. Like they asked for a paragraph of like, tell us how you're involved in the community. Tell us 
what's really important to you or like what inspires you or how you would inspire other people. Like I got to actually like, I see it was more than your face. It was more than my face. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I can have a platform to talk about really important things. Um, and so that's another way it was like, looks, you know, was leveraged into something something else bigger. Yeah. Like use the tools that you got. But, um, I, I, incorporated my mantra that you mentioned of like for the highest good of all, like let everything that you do touch that place, touch that place and like ladder up to that. Like every decision, whether it's personal or professional, like if you're able to like, just try to do what's going to move everyone forward. Um, so I got to talk about my communications career and how I like to be a voice for the voiceless and like speak on behalf of people that that can't speak for themselves and really drive a mission or a mantra or like products that I think are good for people and like be a voice on behalf of something um, bigger. So so that's kind of what the Express campaign was about. Um, It was all about dreaming big. And so I told that story about the CMO thing and like not taking no for an answer and just like, if you can see it, you can believe like, you can be it kind of thing. Like just visualize um, your future and what you see for yourself. And like when you have that feeling, just go for it and don't be afraid um, because fear fear will paralyze us and keep us in boxes. And we don't like boxes around here. I don't like boxes. I'm really anti-boxes. I'm real anti about boxes. Don't Don't put put baby in a box. Don't put baby in a box. (laughs) Shape what or leverage what your mama gave you. We're doing great. Yes. And uh, you know what, too? Like, last thing, like, I, I talked about using the tools that you have. Like, yeah. right now, in this moment in time, it has never been uh, better to be Black. Interesting. What an interesting and perspective. we've never been able to say that. But it's a yeah. great time to be Black. Okay. I mean, shit, I've always been proud to be Black. <laughs> yeah. But now I can, like, use it as an advantage in the sense that, like, these companies, corporations, anywhere, they are seeking diversity, whether mm-hmm. it's genuinely they have the intention of bringing in right. diverse perspectives or they're just trying to meet external commitments, commitments that they put right. out. Right. Either way, you are you are a hot commodity right now and yeah. use that to your advantage. They're trying to promote us. They want us in the visible leadership right. positions like um they want to, and, and honestly, it's altruistic in some sense. Like right. some people want to do good and they want to do right and make up for um, the past of like just getting us to where we're supposed to be. And some people are checking a box. Either way, use it to your advantage. I love that. I love that so much because I, I feel the same way in many ways. Obviously, I don't have your perspective, um, but in many ways, which I have talked about and will continue to talk about. Um, Sometimes when it feels like everybody is is giving us something because it checks a box for them, mm-hmm. if it gets me to the next step and it's not incredibly hurtful to people around me, I'm gonna use it. Mm-hmm. You can check your check your box all day with my you you know use of it, but I promise when I get where I'm going, if you were just checking that box, it's gonna feel real weird to you. <laughs> yes, because like I'm gonna get somewhere that you didn't expect me to get. Yeah. Chelsea, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> yeah, of course. That was fun. <laughs> oh my God, we we did it. We did it. Yay! Thanks so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, or I thoroughly annoyed you enough that you feel like you have to come back for more, please go subscribe, rate us, send a review, and share us on social. You sharing us means all of our struggles don't have to be in silence anymore, and it means we all have a voice. Most importantly, it means I get to keep making episodes. So please, go share. 